Excellent. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Commissioner Vice President uh, Sam Cho reconvening the regular meeting of September 13th, 2022. The time is 12.06 p.m. We're meeting in person today at the Port of Seattle headquarters building and virtually ver via Microsoft Teams. I'm presiding for Commissioner Calkins today who is currently participating in a trade mission to expand ties between Washington State and the Nordic countries led by Governor Jay Inslee and the Washington Department of Commerce. The trade mission will be used to explore implementation of zero carbon and renewable energy solutions as well as maritime innovation projects. Clerk Hart, please call the roll of all commissioners in attendance today. Thank you, Mr. Commission Vice President. Beginning with Commissioner Fellerman. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Present. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Present. Thank you. You do have a quorum established here today. Excellent. Due to the continued virtual component of participation for our meetings, we have staff, external presenters, and members of the public who may be participating on their personal devices or from their telephones today. We've made arrangements to accommodate this virtual format. Later, we'll take public comment on items related to the conduct of the port from the people who are participating by teams, as well as those uh, in person who have signed up to speak. For anyone participating on Microsoft Teams, please mute your speakers when not actively speaking or presenting. Please keep your cameras off unless you are a member of the commission or executive director participating virtually, or if you are a member of staff in a presentation or actively addressing the commission. Members of the public addressing the commission may turn on their cameras when their name is called to speak. For anyone at the dais here today, please turn off the speakers on any computers and silence your devices. When you are recognized to speak, you will present the button, uh, press the button, excuse me, for your microphone to be audible. And we'll press it again to silence it when not actively speaking. All of the items noted here will ensure a smoother meeting. I thank you in advance. All votes today will be taken in the roll call method since there is a virtual component to the meeting. So it is clear for everyone participating virtually how votes are cast. Commissioners will say aye or nay when their name is called. To be equitable, I ask that all commissioners wait to be recognized before speaking. We are presiding on a meeting on the ancestral, ancestral lands and waters of the Coast Salish people with whom we share a commitment to steward these natural resources for future generations. This meeting is being digitally recorded and may be viewed or heard at any time on the port's website and may rebroadcast by King County Television. Please stand and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. All right, the first item of business today is approval of the agenda. Staff has requested that we pull item 8K from the agenda and return it to the staff for additional work. The item will be back before the commission at its next regular meeting, so that item will be removed from the meeting. Are there any other motions to rearrange the orders of the day or items to remove the consent agenda for separate discussion? Commission, uh, President Cho, I would request that we uh, pull items 8O and 8P. All right, Commissioner Fellerman has uh, made a motion to remove 8O, and I'm sorry, what was the other one, Commissioner Fellerman? 8P. P. And Mr. Commission Vice President, uh, to remove from consent agenda doesn't require a motion or a vote. Okay, great. So the, the two items will be removed from the agenda, uh, from the consent calendar, excuse me. Commissioners, the question is now, uh, 
on approval of the agenda as amended. Is there a motion to approve the agenda? So, so moved. Second. All right, it has been made and seconded. Is there an objection to approval of the agenda as amended? Hearing none, the agenda is approved uh, as amended. All right, um, before we go on to the remainder of our agenda, we are starting our business meeting today with a proclamation. Clerk Hark, please read the title into the record and introduce our speaker. Thank you. This is agenda item 4A, proclamation recognizing Latino Heritage Month. This is September 15th through October 15th, 2022. And our speaker today is Mary Cruz Talavera. Good afternoon, Commission Vice President and members of the Commission. I am Maricruz Talavera, a Commission Staff Assistant from the Commission Office, and I will be reading the proclamation today. Whereas Hispanic and Latino communities have been nationally recognized for their histories, cultures, and influence since President Lyndon Johnson proclaimed National Hispanic Heritage Week on September 17, 1968. And whereas observance was expanded by President Ronald Reagan to cover a 30-day period starting on September 15th and ending on October 15th, on August 17th, 1988. And on September 14th, 1989, President George H.W. Bush became the first president to declare the 31-day period from September 15th to October 15th as National Hispanic Heritage Month. And whereas September 15th, was chosen as the first day of observance because it coincides with the Independence Day celebrations of Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. It coincides with Mexico's independence on September 16 and Chile's on September 18, all who declared their independence from Spain in 1821, and Belize who declared their independence from Great Britain on September 21, 1981, and whereas the theme for 2022's observance is Unidos, Inclusivity for a Stronger Nation. The theme invites us to connect with our Hispanic heritage and community and encourages us to ensure that all voices are represented and welcome to help build stronger communities and a stronger nation. And whereas the Employee Resource Group, ERG, Latinos Unidos at the Port of Seattle exists to create a sense of connection and community for Latino employees and their allies and their communities through connection, education, and advocacy. And whereas the Latino population in King County increased from 5.5% in 2000 to 10.3% in 2020, and 7.5% to 13.4% in Washington State. And whereas the port continues to take proactive steps to increase diversity at the Port of Seattle amongst all diverse populations, and whereas once a year, all port employees are asked to voluntarily self-identify their race. According to the current data, 6.9% of employees self-identify as Hispanic or Latino. This is up 1.2% from 2021. And whereas this data reflects that the port is increasing Latino representation, but it still has work to do. The port continues to review and revise policies and practices through an equity lens partnering with workforce development to build talent pipelines, increasing recruitment and outreach efforts in Latino communities and providing recognition, training and learning activities to managers and employees about the importance of diversity, equity and inclusion. 
and whereas representation matters. Now therefore, the Port of Seattle Commission hereby recognizes September 15th to October 15th as Latino Heritage Month at the Port of Seattle. This is proclaimed by the Port of Seattle Commission the 13th day of September 2022. And that concludes the reading of the proclamation. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mayor Cruz. I'll go ahead and open it up to comments for our, from our commissioners at this time. Commissioner Hazagawa. Quiero decirle que gracias por leer esta proclamación en el recuerdo. It's, um, it's truly a beautiful um, reading. And so I just wanted to especially recognize you for joining us and reading that into the record. Thank you very much. Um, happy Latino Heritage Month. Um, yes, the Latino population in Washington State is the largest minority population and growing uh, for community that has long existed in um, on, on the northern continent. Uh, we are only here for your many contributions across the generations and the fight goes forward to make sure that there is true justice um, and also um, economic parity for the, for the Latino community members who plug in directly to our supply chain um, and do not reap the same social, socioeconomic benefits. Um, so I just want to thank you so very much for highlighting the important contributions to our history, our culture, our economy, um, and wish everyone a very happy Latino Heritage Month. Thank you, Commissioner Hazakawa. Anyone else? Commissioner Mohammed. Thank you. I echo those same words. Um, happy Latino Heritage Month. This month and every month, we celebrate you all. We celebrate your rich history, tradition, and culture, and um, appreciate the contributions that you all make every single day. And um, we celebrate that at the Port of Seattle, and we'll continue to. Um, I just want to give a special thank you to the GRE group who has worked hard on this proclamation and um, who continue to work with our Port of Seattle commission and staff um, to uplift the community uh, as a whole. And so, um, again, I'm happy to celebrate you all today and every day. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Commissioner Fellman. To chime in, happy Latino Heritage Day. But I am uh, always been um, uh, reminded by uh, Mayor uh, Mata since I first got here, how underrepresented this community is in, in the port and how, and I really appreciate that the port is now tracking our representation and that we know while this 1.2% increase or something is in the right direction, we obviously also know that the representation is not reflective of the community which we serve. And so I uh, look forward to continuing to be able to benefit from the rich history and modern culture that our community brings to this uh, region and um, commit to doing more. And I think, uh, I, I don't have as much visibility on the commission office about what we are doing, so maybe the uh, ERG could uh, let us know more what we could do to uh, further that cause. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Feldman. I, I want to echo the sentiments and congratulate uh, the Latino community, especially the ERG here at the Port Latinos Unidos who plays such a huge role, an outsized role uh, within this organization when it comes to advocacy uh, for their own, but also allyship with other ERGs. I've seen it time and time and again over the last three years. And so I want to thank Latinos Unidos for all day that they do uh, on behalf of Port Employees. Hearing no further comments, is there a motion and a second to adopt the proclamation? So moved. 
Second. Excellent. The motion has been made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. For the vote, beginning with Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. There are four ayes and zero nays for this item. Great. The motion passes. Next on our agenda is the Executive Director's Report. Executive Director Mechter, take it away. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Cho, and thank you, Mary Cruz, for the reading of the proclamation celebrating Latino Heritage Month. Good afternoon, Commissioners. I'd like to start by acknowledging the, the, the solemn 21st anniversary of the September 11th attacks on our nation this Sunday. Uh, I was proud to join uh, Chief Krauss, Chief Villa, members of our fire department and police departments, Wendy Ryder, and representatives from our federal partners at TSA, CBP, FBI, and the Seattle Police Department for the remem at Fire Station 1 for the remembrance. The ceremony was an opportunity to recognize those first responders that took action to protect others that fateful day and, the many, and many making the ultimate sacrifice on that. They ran into danger instead of running away from it. It's a way, to honor the a way to honor the sacrifice of those heroes who lost their lives that day is for us to continually be prepared and to stay vigilant. We at the Port of Seattle continue to keep our focus on the safety and security of everyone who uses our facilities and our transportation gateways. This year, we marked the occasion by, uh, last year, we marked the, the occasion by, on the 20th anniversary by creating a formal 9-11 memorial at the airport and by recognizing the extraordinary efforts of the maritime industry who were involved in the 9-11 boat lift evacuation emergency response. At the port and in our community, we're honored to know veterans and the families of service members who have been so deeply impacted by the conflict in Afghanistan. What happened over 20 years ago has continued to touch our daily lives and sometimes whether we want to recognize it or not. We should never forget what happened on that day in our, in our call to action to always be prepared. Turning to our travel numbers, I'd like to report to, uh, like to report and to thank all the Port of Seattle staff that kept our facilities operating smoothly during the busy Labor Day holiday weekend. The 2022 SEA Labor Day weekend checkpoint volume was at 88% of 2019 levels. During this four-day period, we screened a total of 210, 724 passengers through our checkpoints. These numbers are encouraging, but we still have a way to go before reaching peak volumes that we saw in 2019. On the maritime side, Shoshua Bay and Bell Harbor Marina guests moorage was completely full over the holiday weekend. We had to turn away customers wanting to make reservations at both locations. Guest moorage at both marinas has been full out, uh, most weekends since July. They may not know your names, but our community depends upon the service of so many port employees working 24 hours a day to keep trade and commerce moving throughout the port. I want to call out a very successful conference hosted by hosted by the port on September 7th and 8th, aimed at expanding international trade connections between Korea and the many local business owners with corrections, connections to Korea. The conference was titled Small Business Growth and Resiliency Through Export Opportunities and U.S.-Korea Trade. We hosted the event in partnership with the United States Small Business Administration, the Washington Department of Commerce, Greater Seattle Partners, and the Kupang, the largest online marketplace in Korea. Special thank to you, Commissioner Cho, for your leadership and partnering with the SBA leadership to develop this event. This conference will help boost the exporting strategy and success of the numerous small business owners and family with family and cultural ties to Korea. 
More than 100 attendees from around the globe participated in the evening reception at Pier 69 and the conference the next day at the Bell Harbor International Conference Center. I also note that uh, Commissioner Cho and our staff are working with the uh, SBA to finalize an agreement to assist small businesses in exploring export markets. Turning your attention to our internal audit department, I was delighted to share that the team had, was recently peer-reviewed as required by the U.S. Government Accountability Office standards and by international standards. Peer reviews occur every three years and are conducted in person at Port Seattle facilities. A team of certified peer reviewers spent a week going through our, the work performed from November 2018 through October 21st, uh, October 2021. The ratings are pass-fail, pass-with-deficiencies. We're happy to report that we received a pass rating. This is the fourth peer review that has been conducted since the Internal Audit Department was created. And this is very important, as you know, for the Internal Audit is uh, ensures the transparency of the work that we do and uh, overseeing all of our operations. In other news, earlier this month on September 6th, Maritime Blue Star a Maritime Blue startup, Net Your, Net Your Problem, LLC, collaborated with American Seafoods and Industry Marketing Association, Genuine Alaska Pollock Producers, to dis dismantle 25,000 pounds of troll net at Terminal 91. Net Problem collects fishing gear like gill nets, seines, troll nets, lobster and crab line and makes connections with recyclers that will collect and process those materials into raw poly polypropylene or raw nylon plastic pellets for a global plastics market. The Port of Seattle has partnered with Net Your Problem to provide a venue for this environmentally sustainable practice to take place. Commissioner Cho attended the exercise to endorse this major recycling operation. I'll add that, Maritime, that the Maritime Division has worked with Net Your Problem since it graduated from the Maritime Blue inaugural cohort uh, in 2020. Net Your Problem launched a pilot program at Fisherman's Terminal in 2021 and has since expanded its fishnet and gear recycling programs at ports in Alaska, Maine, and California. This is one of the examples of the innovative partnerships happening at our facilities. And as you know, the, the fishing lines and that is, is really destructive to not just fish, but all, uh, uh, all animals and marine environment, including birds and marine mammals as well. We look forward to many more innovations coming out of the Maritime Blue cohorts. Moving to today's commission meeting, I'd like to highlight a few items on our consent, consent agenda. Item 8N is an appointment to our Commission Board of Ethics. I'm pleased to share that we are recommending the appointment of Lindsay Pulsifer to join the board. Lindsay, with us here today, re retired Man Managing Director Maritime Division, served the Port of Seattle for 33 years, retiring in 2017. Lindsay is highly regarded throughout the Port in the maritime industry. We welcome her appointment and thank her for volunteering in this capacity. Great to have her continuing her service to the Port. Item 880 is an extension of our, the signatory lease and operating agreement at our airport. The sig signatory lease and operating agreement is the governing document that the port uses to grant airlines certain rights and privileges concerning the occupancy and use of the airport. It is the foundation of our business partnership and is updated at spe uh, specified intervals. This extension <coughs> is the culmination of an 11th month collaboration between the port in our airline community that will ensure seamless business and operational continuity for the next two years, as well as structured path to negotiating a new agreement. I urge your support in adopting uh, this as uh, extension as part of today's consent agenda. And now it's moved to our actual agenda today.
Item 8P is an approval of a three-year interlocal agreement with the Washington Sea Grant, sea Grant Program to host a fellow at the port. We have successfully hosted three fellows in this program since September 2020. With this authorization, we'll bring on a Sea Grant Fellow to provide capacity for habitat-related work that we can otherwise, that we otherwise lack staff to accomplish. Some of this work includes participating in the design, construction, and monitoring of mitigation bank projects and supporting innovation in the port's habitat mitigation banking program. The Sea Grant Fellow will also have opportunities to support habitat and stewardship initiatives, including community engagement, stewardship research, in writing, data analysis, project coordination, and other tasks. And for the last item, Commissioners, I'd like to, um, I'd like to uh, note, as I reported to you, the, the, after an extensive search and review process, that I have selected Interim for police, police Chief Mike Villa for the permanent post as Chief of the Port of Seattle Police Department. Uh, and Chief Villa, he's with us here today. Chief Viv joined the Police Department as Deputy Chief in 2017 after a long career with the Tukwila Police Department. He has served as Interim Chief of the Port of Police Force since October 21. Chief Via comes to his role with decades of leadership and partnership experience in South King County. As Acting and then Interim Chief, he demonstrated vision and integrity as he guided the Department through our extensive internal assessment, multiple legislative police reforms, increasing transparency through publication of the Department's annual reports, and many other initiatives. He led the Department during our initial response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and in its aftermath, and some of the most challenging health, safety, and well-being conditions our community has ever seen. His emphasis on transparency, partnership, team building, and continuous improvement has kept the Department heading in the right direction. Those traits were, are important for ensuring the safety and security of our port facilities. We're incredibly grateful to our officers and our non-commissioned staff at the Police Department for their professionalism and continuing commitment. I want to thank the Commission for your leadership in this public process that brought us to this point, and I look forward to Chief Villa's swearing in at our next Commission meeting at the airport on September 27th. Excellent. Commissioners, with that, thank you. Thank you for that report, Executive Director Metric. Uh, we are now at committee reports. Erica Chung, Commission Strategic Advisor, advisor will report, uh, provide the report. Erica. Good afternoon, Vice President Cho and Commissioners. I have uh, two committee reports for you today. On August 10th, Commissioners Cho and Mohammed convened the Equity and Workforce Development Committee. Commissioners received an update on the development of the Equity Policy Directive. The Executive has received a draft of the directive and provided feedback to Commissioners. The Commission made two recommendations related to the directive. First, they recommended that the directive include a requirement that the executive set specific EDI benchmarks, and second, that staff set a target date for introduction of the policy directive in October with adoption in November or December. Next, Commissioners received an update and gave their input regarding the ongoing women, business, uh, women minority business enterprise barrier study. Commissioners asked several questions to ensure that survey consultants engaged with a deep and diverse group of stakeholders in the course of the study. Consultants and staff assured commissioners that a representative sample of the ADR and construction ecosystem was sur surveyed. Also on September 8th, Commissioners Cho and Mohammed convened the audit committee with public member Sarah Holstrom. The committee received a 2021 accountability audit opening report from the Office of the Washington State Auditor. 
The accountability audit will be for the period of January 1st, 2021 through December 31st, 2021. The scope of the audit is being compiled. The committee also received a presentation from the Port's internal audit team regarding their peer review, in which they received a passing rating in compliance with government auditing standards. The committee further adopted the recommendation to approve the 2023 internal audit budget and review the status of 2022 audit items um, and open issues. Operational information technology and limited contact compliance audit reports were shared with the committee members and recommendations and management responses were discussed. These three audits included, one, the North Satellite Renovation and Expansion Project, two, Security Incident Response Management for ICT and Aviation Maintenance, and three, Avis Budget Car Rental LLC. The committee's next meeting is scheduled for December. This concludes the committee report. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for that report. Are there any follow-up questions regarding committees? If so, please indicate if you would like to speak. All right, seeing none, we will move on to the next item on the agenda, which is public comment. The commission will now accept general uh, public comment from those who have signed up to speak on items related to the conduct of the port. <laughs> Written materials provided to the clerk will be included in today's meeting record. The clerk has a, li a list of those prepared to speak. Actually, I have the list of people prepared to speak. We are taking comments from anyone who has signed up to speak virtually, as well as anyone from uh, who has joined us in the chambers. As I call your name, if you are joining virtually, please unmute yourself, then please repeat your name for the record. If you're on the Teams meeting and you're also streaming the meeting on the website, please mute the website stream to avoid feedback. Comment time will be limited to two minutes per person. The timer will be shown on the screen for your viewing and will chime twice at the end of the two minute period, at which time I'll ask speakers to conclude the remarks so that we may hear from our next speaker. So we have obviously speakers from uh, both virtual and um, in person. I'm going to be going back and forth uh, to, to be fair. So first we'll start with those who are uh, the first person in person, which is Dan McKisson. See you, Dan. Dan, you have two minutes whenever you're ready. Thank you, uh, Vice President Cho and uh, Commission members. Appreciate being here today. Um, I'm with uh, ILW Local 19, representing the members from that uh, local. And I'd like to talk about Pier 46 a little bit, the uh, terminal that is. Uh, currently being used as a storage facility. Um, potentially, he's going to return to a two-berth, 82-acre uh, container terminal. Um, we, uh, we appreciate your votes on the uh, crane repair. That's a big step towards that. Um, we have put out a position paper on how we think the terminal should go with, with considering the Coast Guard, because we're still waiting on the Coast Guard uh, position on how they want to expand their Pier 36 base. We're 100% behind them expanding their base. Expansion of the base is another issue. You've all received our letter. Um, it's a five berth uh, position. We think it'd be very successful for all parties involved. We seek support from the commission on that. Um, you know, we've been talking about this issue at the Seaport Alliance level for quite a bit, but really the rubber will meet the road right here in this room if and when the Coast Guard wants to buy property from either Pier 46 or Pier 30. So, I mean, this is the room where that decision is gonna be made. We don't, 
we do not support any net loss of uh, container space uh, as the Coast Guard expands their base. Um, so, you know, the one, one berth uh, or five berth uh, solution we think will be very successful. You may have to take a little uh, overwater rights from Pier 48. Need to look at that to help facilitate that. But, uh, you know, we, we uh, are fully want support for a two berth 82 acre terminal. Spoke to a lot of you about that. We think we have the support. We think a long-term lease should be signed right away. That'll help the Coast Guard make its decision as it moves forward, as it moves forward. So hopefully uh, the Seaport Alliance and or the Port of Seattle can do it. They sign a lease uh, that's long-term where the customer wants to be in the Port of Seattle. And I'd take questions if you have any. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Uh, next speaker uh, is virtual. Uh, Saba Belichu from SCIU 6. Saba, are you with us? I believe Aubrey indicated that Saba was not at check-in, so okay. we can try to double back. All right, I'll double back to this one uh, towards the end. In, in that case, uh, our second virtual speaker is the African Chamber of Commerce. Is anyone here from the African Chamber? Yes, Peter Gishuru. Hi, Peter. You have two minutes. Hi. Start whenever you're ready. Yeah. Okay, I am ready. Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, my comment is a follow-up on an email that I sent to the commissioners. African Chamber of Commerce is a 23-year-old based organization. Uh, we've been working uh, with the African trucking community for the last 10 years. The port has been a strong partner. Uh, the transportation sector has the highest number of members of the African community. These activities, that is the activities that we've been working with the port, has provided mutual benefit to both the African trucking community and the port. I was in a meeting, small business meeting, a uh, few last month. A young man stood up. His name is Alex Allen. He has a trucking company. He said, I came to see Peter seven years ago. He guided us on how to start a trucking business. We were able to get a loan to, to start a business and we are now uh, walking from the commercial building we bought in Taquila. Now he's saying songs of myself. Uh, I just closed my third house, helping build generation wealth in the African community. Uh, the African Chamber of Commerce is kindly requesting the commissioners to authorize Northwest Seaport Alliance to include African Chamber of Commerce in, in its yearly budget at the figure of $100,000 a year. We bring value to the port. We work closely with our community, which is one of the, uh, the fastest growing communities. We thank you. Thank you, Peter. We will, we will go on to our next speaker uh, who is Peter Kuehl. Peter? Yes. Whenever you're ready. 
All right. Um, thank you, Commissioner Shaw, and thank you all, uh, Commissioners. On behalf of drivers who are here, live and over drivers, and on behalf of our, of our organization, Driver Union, we are here today to deliver our uh, petition. And our request is for the, the police to pray for our folk who are driving. Uh, we are very diverse in a driving community. Uh, diverse, religious diverse, and also um, ethnically diverse. And we are kindly asking for the dignified uh, place where our folk will pray, especially the Muslim community, that pray five times a day. They need a dignified place where they can go and pray. And I think that is the father of life is very important. Religion is one of father of our life. Myself, I'm ex-seminarian for a Catholic, to be a Catholic priest. But I see that it is important uh, for you to recognize that, uh, that our Muslim brothers should have a dignified place. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Mrs. Commissioner Mohammed, for bringing this forward. And we're asking you today to help us building that place. Uh, uh, drivers in Washington State, or particularly in Seattle, they are good pay taxpayer that need to be recognized also. And today we are delivering more than six, 600 signatures to you. And all we are requesting is to build that place. And thank you for approving for the arrest area, you know, because that place is actually for years, um, a decade, is not a good place, and there is no bathroom there. It is very important that you, you can recognize the importance of having a restroom, a place to have a line to eat, and also uh, to wait for your rider, and thank you. Thank you so much, Peter, for coming in today. Next on our virtual list is Council Member J.C. Harris. J.C., are you with us? Yes, Commissioner. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, and thank you for pulling items 8O and 8P. Um, I just wanted to remind the commission that um, we, you send out these lovely press releases every week or so, and um, there is an announcement that you are going ahead with the widening of the arrivals driveway. This is something that previous commissions have voted against, uh, several times, and I'm only raising that because um, I would like, especially for the newer members of the team, to recognize that every time you do something like that, which sounds like increasing customer convenience, you're actually increasing factory throughput. And so I would ask you to consider that every time you do something nice like that, from the customer standpoint, that you should be thinking of a co-equal benefit to the airport communities. Because I'm reminded of like, my next door neighbor has a swimming pool. He's the only guy in the neighborhood with a swimming pool. He can have a party all the time and um, his guests love it, but his neighbors, not so much. The airport is like, the big pool party every day. Your customers love it, 
but you should consider ways to make it more comfortable for those around you um, basically every day, which is the pool party of SeaTac Airport. Thank you very much. Thank you for the illustration, council member. Um, the next person on our list here for in-person testimony is Sukchain Banwei. Welcome. You have two minutes. Start okay. whenever you're ready. I might go over a few seconds. Um, thank you. Good morning. My name is Sukchain Banwet. I am the driver's union. I am with the driver's union. The purpose for us, the drivers, go to the lot to sit in that lot to service the public. I am belong to Sikh family. I'm from Sikh religion. All of us, regardless of our religion tradition, deserve a place to sit, have a lunch, rest, pray, and go to clean restrooms. The honey buckets are usually temporarily to use. The lot is not temporarily. The lot is permanent. I want to thank you for approving permanent restrooms, and we are asking for to expand the project to provide covered area where we can sit, get out the cars in the cold or hot weather. Drivers have to run their cars while they are waiting for the trips. It is cold, cool, or uh, to stay cool and warm. Drivers <clears throat> work very hard. They can enjoy their lunch. Drivers can relax because they work very hard. Drivers, while they are sitting there and they can read, pray, or sit and relax. It is not easy to drive in Seattle. As everybody knows, Seattle is in the top 10 in the traffic in the country. So there could even be some income generated because there will be some machines, soda pop, candy, and sandwich machine, coffee machines. So that can also you know, help the uh, project. Thank you for your consideration, but we really appreciate, look forward to the extension. Thank you. Thank you, Sachin. So on my uh, virtual list, I see Peter Gershuru again from the Africa Chamber, but I'm going to assume that this is a double counted. So that concludes our virtual public commentators. I'll circle back to Saba at the end of the list, but our next speaker signed up to speak is Adama Dukure. Welcome, Adama. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all. You have two minutes whenever you're ready. Thank you all, Commissioner and all. Yes. My name is Adama Dukure, and I'm with uh, Team Star Union. Uh, the purpose we are here today is to thank you for providing the bathroom for us in the parking lot. We really need it. We need a parking lot, a bathroom over there, a good one. And we need for you to expand the place for the drivers to um, relax while you're having their lunch and to be in the secure places. When it's weather is cold, they don't have to run their car. And when the weather is hot, they don't have to sit in the hot car to 
uh, eat their lunch. We need a place to pray and eat and relax a little bit. And if you can also to have a, like a vending machine to, so we can refresh. The drivers are doing really hard work and we provide, we need, you, we need your help to do that for us. We thank you very much. Thank you all very much for providing us the bathroom. And we're looking forward to see the other things also in the, uh, in the parking lot or with the Port Authority. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dama. Thank you. Our next speaker is Kwabena Bobi. I hope I'm not butchering these names. Hello. Uh, hello, Commissioner. Thank you very much. My name is Kwabina Bobby. <clears throat> I'm with the Drivers Union. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for trying to provide a restroom for us because driving in Seattle is a tough time and you've had a uh, plan, your intention to provide something for us. Thank you very much. And the second one I want to also talk about is uh, being uh, on the, uh, the community of drivers. We all come from different backgrounds, and some are Christians, some are Muslims, and some are from others' union, others' uh, religion. But our petition to you is: Would you please extend or provide a restroom, or that will provide place for? Uh, our people that can go there and pray, have rest, or warm up their food so that uh, it will be reworking, uh, like it will be a place that will serve not only, or it will serve a different people from their religious background. So my petition, or our petition, is to Please help us build or extend the restroom that will provide a place of convenience, like not only rest areas, but also place for prayer, relaxing, or warming up our food. That's what uh, the, uh, we, our community is petitioning or coming to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Provena. Um, our last person for public comment, comment in person is Randy Fiertz of Alaska Airlines. Okay. Good afternoon, uh, Commissioners, Executive Director Metric. My name is Randy Fiertz. I'm the Director of Airport Affairs for Alaska Airlines. As the representative of the largest airline at Seattle, I'm also the Airline Chair of the Airport and Airline Affairs Committee, as well as the Chair of the Seattle-Tacoma Airline Consortium. In these capacities, I'm fortunate to work closely with key leaders and staff from the airport every day. I want to take the opportunity today to share my appreciation for the collaboration and partnership between the airport and the airlines in allowing us to come to agreement on the slow of four lease extension. For example, the lease extension sets in place a minimum number of preferential gates for the next two years. Knowing the number of available gates in advance is critical to the airlines serving Seattle so that we can finalize long-term plans in 2023 for frequencies, destinations, and aircraft size. As airlines, we really appreciate having greater certainty on those gates. Passing this extension today will provide operational stability 
and enables continued infrastructure investment. We look forward to working with the Port of Seattle on addressing a number of outstanding issues both sides agree need to be looked at for a new longer-term agreement. I would be remiss if I did not call out key airport executives who are instrumental in getting to this agreement. Under Lance Little's leadership, Jeff Moken, Interim Director of Aviation Business and Properties, Morgan Anderson, Airport CFO, and Laurel Dumphy have all played key parts in this. Again, on behalf of the airlines, thank you to the negotiation team, and we look forward to continuing the collaboration and partnership as we begin negotiations for the next lease. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate your comments. I'm going to go ahead and circle back to see if Saba has joined us virtually for public comment. Yes, I'm here. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, sorry, I wasn't available when you called my name first time. I am here now. Uh, so my name is Saba Balacho. I'm working at SeaTac Airport for G2 Secure Staff uh, for the last 13 years. Uh, and I really say thank you for giving me this chance to talk about the airport workers in behalf of airport workers. So we, the airport workers, are one of the employee that makes airport works. Um, as you know, most of us are immigrants and the people of color, and a lot of work we do is a very physical demanding job. So when we get sick, uh, uh, it's hard to call out or it's hard to uh, miss the job, and it's very hard to go to the hospital because uh, we don't have insurance. Most of my workers also uh, share with me that uh, they uh, cut a lot of hours uh, to get the state insurance to be approved by the state insurance, but they really want to do those hours. Um, yet we are uh, uh, providing service for airlines that are making a millions in uh, profit. So as the Port of Commissioner, you have the chance to make the airlines uh, do their right things to provide health insurance for all airport workers. Uh, health insurance for airport workers is necessity. Thank you so much. Thank you, Saba, for joining us. You're welcome. All right, that concludes our sign-ups today. Is there anyone else present on the team's call who didn't sign up for, who wishes to address the commission? If so, please state and spell your name for the record. Is there anyone in the room who didn't sign up who wishes to address the commission? If so, please come to the testimony table and state and spell your name for the record. All right. At this time, I'll ask the clerk to please give us a synopsis of, an, of any written comments we've received. Thank you, Mr. Commission Vice President, members of the commission, Executive Director Metric. We have received two written comments for today's meeting. The first comes from Jordan Van Vost, who speaks to item AN on the agenda for appointment of a member to the Board of Ethics and asks that the code be amended to prevent past employees from serving on the board. Mr. Van Vost further speaks to the process of sending nominations forward and the board vacancy process for the Ethics Board with the selection recommended from the Commission Office for further confirmation by the Commission. The next written comment is received from Iris Antman, who writes to state that it makes no sense for the port to say it is reaching its climate goals while spending thousands of dollars to increase global cruise tourism from Seattle to Alaska. She states that we must stop pumping carbon into the atmosphere now and that while transporting cargo is one thing, cruising is another. 
She states that cruise vacations no longer have a place in today's world and that it is time to transition to businesses and industries that nurture rather than destroy life. And that concludes our written comments today. Okay, great. Hearing no further public testimony, we'll move on to the consent agenda. Items on the consent agenda are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion. The items removed from the consent agenda will be considered separately immediately after adoption of the remaining consent agenda items. At this time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda covering items 8A, 8B, 8C, 8E, 8F, 8G, 8H, 8I, 8J, HL, HM, HN, and HP. Do I have a motion? I, I, Mr. Commission Vice President, yeah. is there a, a correction there? I had 8P no. as in Paul, not D. Oh, did I say D? Yes. Sorry, I meant and 8P. Okay, so just to clarify. So we've omitted 8D, 8K, 8O. 8K was, yes, those are the ones that are omitted. 8K has been completely removed from this right. meeting. 8O and 8P will be addressed immediately after this consent agenda. I think it's 8, it was an 8D that we removed? Fred, did you want to remove? Oh, P, okay, I'm sorry, I have my letters mixed up. 8P, excuse me. So we are including 8D. Correct. All right, so 8D is included and 8P is the one that's being removed. Excuse Correct. Me. Do I have a first and a second? So moved. Second. The motion was made and seconded. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when the name, your name is called. Beginning with Commissioner Feliman. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays. Three ayes, one yay, zero nays for this item. <laughs> All right. Either way, the motion passes. The passage of the consent agenda, we have con just confirmed the appointment of Lindsay Pulsifer to the Commission's Ethics Board. Lindsay is here with us today in the chambers. Thank you, Lindsay, for your commitment to the service in this capacity. We are excited to have your knowledge, skills, and expertise as an addition to the board. I would also like to thank the others who submitted applications for the vacancy. We support your continued interest in the Port of Seattle. All right, and with that, I'd like to go ahead and turn to the first item of the consent agenda that we've pulled here, and I believe that is 8-0, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct, and I can read it into the record. Please do. Thank you. This is agenda item 8-0, authorization for the executive director to execute a two-year extension to SLOA 4 extending the termination date from December 31st, 2022 to December 31st, 2024. Executive Director Metric. Commissioners, as noted in my opening remarks, the Signatory Lease and Operating Agreement, or SLOA, is the governing document that the Port uses to grant airlines certain rights and privileges concerning the occupancy and use of the airport. It is the foundation of our business partnership and is updated at specific intervals. This extension is the culmination of an 11th month collaboration between the port and our airline community that will ensure seamless business and operational continuity for the next two years, as well as create a structured path to negotiating a, a new agreement. Uh, with us is uh, Interim Director, Aviation Business and Properties, Jeff Mulkin, and uh, I believe uh, both Borgen Anderson, uh, Director of Aviation Finance and Budget, and uh, Lance Little, our Managing Director of Aviation around the line as well to answer any questions. So, Jeff, I don't know if you had anything to say or you just wanted to answer questions. Uh, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity, Executive Director Metrics and Commissioners. Uh, I know that we were just pulled from consent to discussion. 
Uh, I just wanted to also note that uh, I also just want to also thank Mr. Fierts for your kind remarks on behalf of Borgen and Laurel and all of our colleagues. It's been a year's worth of discussion, engagement, uh, and all with the spirit of moving forward, and I believe that this extension does certainly get us there. Uh, so in light of that, I'll go ahead and be available for any comments as well, Borgen and Lance, perhaps. Great. Any questions or comments from commissioners? Go ahead, Commissioner Feldman. Well, I, I thought we'd get some representation of what this entailed, but uh, I will just note here that it basically, first of all, I don't think anybody's more happy than I am that we're just extending this two years so that we don't have to go through this uh, extracted process again. So that idea is great. And so I fully support in concept. Um, when we talk about uh, the only things that really changed um, are mostly related to the expiration date extension. And there are nine items listed as, which seems like a lot on the only thing, but many of which I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, the one thing that I'm only find out subsequently that's changed is the MOU pertaining to uh, low carbon fuels and other greenhouse gas reduction measures. And so what I don't understand if the agreement over the fundamental terms of the SLOA have been accomplished so that we can just extend it two years, why would the greenhouse gas goals be dropped, no less not mentioned? Yeah, perhaps uh, uh, Sandy or Lance or Leslie can speak to that, but uh, it's my understanding the MOU that addresses those topics have not been altered one bit. But, you know, Leslie can certainly elaborate on all the achievements and the current status. Yep. Thanks. Happy to comment on that. Yeah. Um, uh, Commissioner Fellman, as you know, um, the MOU that was signed in 2018 had several directives in it, had six specific ones, and we've met every single one of those. I can walk through them. Um, I don't, essentially, uh, we identified a bunch of steps um, to deliver on the Commission's 2028 staff goal, including hurdles. That was one of the initial uh, directives of the MOU with the MOU group, which consisted of airlines joining together. We signed the agreement with the airlines on May 17th, uh, less than 30 days after the MOU, uh, we were directed to do so. Um, we, in addition to identifying steps to meet the staff goal, we uh, conducted, there was a, a directive for us to evaluate market barriers and opportunities to produce staff in the region. We worked together with the MOU group to do that, and we completed the WSU report, which is potential Northwest regional feedstock and production of staff. And that was completed in early 2020. We've presented that to the commission. Um, we were also, there's another directive in the MOU to consider the wealth of material available from the science and industry resources and identify the gaps in the research. And the MOU committee specifically noted that the largest gap in the research was understanding local feedstocks, which provided further support for the WSU study that I just mentioned. Um, the MOU also directed us to consult, if needed, with uh, experts to update the work in the Staffing Report in 2011, um, and this review must include factors necessary to meet the current internationally accepted standards and protocols. So many of our committee members are part of the broader ICAO and IATA working groups and have uh, worked uh, continuously to review the staff sustainability criteria and have had a lot of comments in um, uh, making that highly functional and relevant. 
And the last item in the MOU agreement was to include steps and key milestones to meet the 2028 goal and other mechanisms that could contribute to carbon and air emission reductions at SeaTac to meet our century agenda goals. And the committee did list a develop, um, develop the list of air and land and ground transportation emission reduction projects that could be completed at SeaTac and evaluated the airport and airline investments required to accomplish them. Um, and all of this was included in our airline greenhouse gas emission reduction strategy that was published also in early 2020. Um, that covers what specifically was in the MOU and what we have accomplished so far, but there are a number of other items moving forward that we're working on that you're well aware of that also support the goals and directives in not only MOU but also in our century agenda. So those things are things like in 2022 we've got this partnership um, that was spearheaded by commission to develop the King County solid with King County solid waste to develop the municipal solid waste liquid to fuel study. Um, we've been working on that and we expect to complete that study in early 2023. Um, we also are doing um, what we're calling the SAF the SAF funding pilot project, which is another 2023 budget ask. Um, and that one we can share more with Borgen uh, and Lance as we talk through it. But the idea here is to help bring down that initial cost of sustainable aviation fuel. Um, it's an innovative idea where we would purchase the uh, environmental attributes of the SAF. So as you know, traditional fuels emit particulate matter, other criteria pollutants. Um, we often contribute funding to various projects that bring down the price of alternative fuels um, and other technologies to reduce those pollutants. We would apply that same logic to SAF and the airport would contribute uh, funding to um, a Boeing contract for SAF that our airlines are purchasing off of. So um, that's another thing. We're also continuing um, to improve our emission reduction from our existing systems at SeaTac, including things like preconditioned air and charging stations for EGSE on the airfield. Um, as you all know, we're continuing to work with our Sustainable Aviation Biofuels Working Group at the state. We're also working uh, with our public affairs folks on state legislation. We were instrumental in getting the Clean Fuel Standard passed with the help and support of the commission. Uh, we also continue to work on rule writing for the Clean Fuel Standard with the Department of Ecology uh, and other policies that's appropriate we can, as much as we can find and advocate for them. Um, and I'll just say, you know, we're also continuing to partner with other organizations to encourage and support SAF use. And that includes working with Microsoft, Alaska Airlines, and others to develop the SAF-C efforts. I think we've talked about that. Um, and lastly, we continue to partner with a lot of different groups, including Airports Council International, ACI, and the Airports Cooperative Research Program, um, which is uh, which is one through the Department of uh, Transportation. And those are areas where we share research, we learn from others, and many other organizations learn from us. Um, I'll stop there. Do you have any questions? Well, thank you for <laughs> that uh, sure. that long list. As um, so, it's been <laughs> like four years since the MOU was, was signed, right? And um, many of those things you spoke to were not expressly in the MOU, but I really appreciate all the work that the airport environmental staff continue to do to reduce our greenhouse gas footprint, and that, that's really great. The uh, specific uh, implementation of the emission reduction projects that were identified in the airline GHG emission reduction strategy is really what that accounting, you know, we, we went through all these studies, we identified gaps, and we pushed forward a lot of policy, all good. But when it comes to actually how much GHG did we reduce? What did we actually accomplish? And um, the accounting was really what I thought, you know, when we asked, the goal was what, 10% 10, 10 by 10 years. It was a fantastic over By 2028. So, mm -hmm. so I, I now see we laid out through all this process a strategy 
and and I see like you know I see today's agenda. We have an item um, with regards to uh, equipment, electric equipment uh, charging stations, um, extending the duration of the contract for 150 days. We've been doing infrastructure improvements for electrification and things like that, but I mean I, I haven't seen any point in time where this was the agreement. We defined a strategy. Tick, tick, tick. These are the things that we got done. Look at this accounting for commission direction, mm -hmm. and then um, and then move on. So and then where do we want to go from here? And instead, we have a, a document that says there's no changes, but in fact, this wasn't even mentioned. So when it comes to accounting on things that were obviously a very contentious issue to begin with, how can this something so substantive to the commission's priorities be? Not that they're in fact. Here's an opportunity for you to brag about it as you quickly ran through, including things that had conflating some of the issues that we're talking about. I, I am, I, I'm just a little dumbfounded that it could be dropped without any uh, discussion. Well, I, I can't speak to um, whether or not the MOU should be continued, but I think the work will continue. And I, what I will say is that um, I think we've been. Uh, very innovative and supportive and strategic and looking at how can we advance sustainable aviation fuel for our airline partners recognizing that the that we don't we don't own planes and we don't fly uh, fly any aircraft using SAF so I do well, think we do have to ground support equipment we right? do we yes, do have yes. influence on operational stuff we are working on you know we, we've, we've been taking mm -hmm. credit for example for years on preconditioned air almost a decade yes. And now yeah. we find out, well, maybe we're not using it quite as much. We've identified this problem. We're making progress. Right. I haven't heard we, what the progress is. I'm, oh, I'm just saying well, that the, the goal here is like not to say that you're not doing it. The thing is, like, what are you doing? And why aren't we identifying this as something to be proud of these accomplishments, but also to make commitments going forward? I, I, again, I, I see this as uh, that you have a lot to tell us. Uh, but I think there's also an accountability issue that you need to tell us. So, um, Commission and Takadis Borgen and Jeff, could you guys clarify for us? Nothing has been dropped, right? Everything that's a part of the existing SOAR agreement moves forward with the extension. Right? There's nothing that we have changed or dropped, for example, it's in particularly as it relates to the MOU. We have not dropped the MOU. Can you guys confirm? We can Don't confirm that, Lance. We can confirm that it's not been dropped. And also, in the memorandum, I believe it's the last bullet, it speaks to the future of a continued coordination with an MOU. And in consultation with Mr. Fiertz, there's a commitment to continue that. And so, if anything, we're bolstering that commitment. So, why then was the I told first, precisely the first, otherwise? Pardon me? Why was I told otherwise? I can't speak for that, sir. And then, and then um, Commissioner, what, what, what Leslie just outlined, the first, like, eight or ten bullets that she addressed were actually eight or ten bullets that were directly in the MOU. Those came directly from the MOU. The first ten, she elaborated on other stuff that was being done, but like the first eight or ten bullets that she addressed were specifically from the MOU. My, my question ultimately is that we weren't asking about process. We want to know how much greenhouse gas reduction have we achieved, right? This was the goal is to reduce our carbon footprint. In order to get there, there's a lot of policy and issues you have to get to identify hurdles, but ultimately we have to clear the hurdles. And so at the end of the four-year period, and I was told expressly that this was not carried on. So really, 
um, in, in part, this conversation is good in that we are doing some of that accounting, but I am really glad to hear this affirmation that, in fact, we're going on. And what I'd really like to do is specifically, at a future commission meeting, look at those uh, implementation goals of the emission reduction projects that have been implemented, if there's can be any enumeration of what that is actually meant to carbon emission reductions, then we can um, then we can say, hey, and where do we go from here? Have we checked all the boxes? And if there is no, uh, you know, if, unless we're uh, saying that we've done it all, which I don't think this could be possibly what we're talking about, but we, we've <laughs> so we we'll never ever. There's always more to do, so I don't think we've done it so all. So if I may, let me. Uh, you know, in the interest of time, let me clean this up a little bit. Can I please just really quickly from whoever it is appropriate get affirmation on the record that the MOU regarding sustainable aviation fuels is not being dropped or omitted from the extension of this law, but as I understand it, it just doesn't expire. It's just continuing. Uh, is that is that correct? Can I, can I get a That yes? is correct, nor is it, has it been edited in any fashion. Okay. All right, so that clears the record on that. Secondly, to Commissioner Feldman's point, I think what he's getting at is that we as a commission would love to hear a report or a presentation on the progress of those efforts uh, in conjunction with our airline partners. And so if, if the staff could work with our airline partners to perhaps provide that presentation as a briefing uh, to us prior to the extension of the SLOA next year, that would be really great. We, we can could definitely that. provide that. Excellent. All right. Does that you satisfied? All right. So I'm going to bring this item up to a vote now since uh, it was pulled. I'd like to bring up item 8D uh, for a vote. Can I first? Can I get a first and a second? We're on 8O. Oh, I'm so sorry. 8O. Oh, God. My so moved. Second. I don't know why I'm obsessed with 8D right now. Uh, so like the motion has been first. Uh, motion has been moved and seconded. Uh, Clerk Hart, can you please call the roll? Beginning with Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes and zero nays for this item. Excellent. All right. So and we're going to move on to the passes. second. The motion has passed. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, we're moving on to the second item of the consent agenda that has been pulled, and that is 8P. Clerk Hart, please introduce the item. Thank you. I'll go ahead and read it into the record and turn it over to Executive Director Metric to introduce. This is item 8P, authorization for the Executive Director to sign a three-year interlocal agreement with the University of Washington Sea Grant Program, sustainability, I'm sorry, substantially in the form attached with minor changes to be approved by legal counsel to allow the port to host one 12-month Sea Grant Fellowship position annually from September 2022 through October 2025 with a maximum expenditure of $150,000. Commissioners, as noted in my opening remarks, the port has successfully hosted three fellows in this program since September 2020. With this authorization, we will bring on a Sea Grant Fellow to provide capacity for habitat-related work that we otherwise lack staff to accomplish. Uh, we have with us uh, Kathleen Hurley, Senior Environmental Program Manager for Maritime and Environment and Sustainability. Kathleen? I don't know if there's anything, uh, Commissioner, do you have questions or? or yeah, open or, up or for you discussion. Want, oh, we can. We do have a presentation if we'd like to hear Actually, detail. I wanted to make sure um, that, uh, clarify uh, for you, uh, for me and us, 
that this is, we've had like three Hirschman Fellows in the past, but this is the first time we're taking on a Keystone Fellow, right? That is correct, uh, Commissioner, and thank you, Executive Metric, for the introduction. Um, we have hosted this three Hirschman Fellows since September of 2020, and based on that experience, we were the port was actually approached by the Sea Grant program and uh, asked to consider hosting a Keystone Fellow for this coming fellowship period. And for those who aren't uh, familiar with the program, the Keystone Fellow program is a new program within Sea Grant, and it seeks to broaden participation in marine and coastal professions making them more inclusive of the full diversity of our communities and responsive to their needs and perspectives. So specifically, the Keystone Fellowship recruits and engages early career professionals who are underrepresented in the marine science policy and industry workforce. Um, and so you are correct in that this coming year, beginning in early October, we will be hosting our first Keystone Fellow past host agencies have included the um, Seattle Aquarium and I believe the Washington Department of Ecology. I, I salute you for taking on yet our fourth fellow, or yes, and um, I'm really looking forward to the success of hearing about the success of this one. Have you already made this selection? I assume if it's October that this decision has already been selected. And I was just wondering what the process we went through in uh, reaching out to the community. Absolutely. The Sea Grant Fellows are employees of the University of Washington. However, they sit within uh, our Port Maritime Habitat and, and, and Environment team, and they are a full team member taking on um, roles within our team. As such, the University of Washington Sea Grant program administers the outreach and um, interview process. We at the port uh, for the Hirschman Fellowship and for the Keystone participate in reviewing the finalists and then also in the interview process. Um, the, the Hirschman and the Keystone interview processes are slightly different um, just because of the, I think, how new the Hirschman or the Keystone program is. Um, and so we rely on the University of Washington to um, reach out to these different um, groups. Uh, note that these fellows who come in are graduate students. That is one of the requirements of the program is they're uh, masters or, or PhD students who are coming into the program. So it is specifically targeted at graduate student fellows. All right, just not to belabor it. So they are, do they have to be University of Washington graduates? They can be part of the Sea Grant uh, University. So often they are University of Washington um, students. Most of the uh, candidates that I have seen thus far in, in my participation have been University of Washington primarily. That said, I believe that um, you know others could apply. All right, so there's a cohort. The UW makes the first cut, and the port, being the host, makes the final cut. What would it, it's, it's more structured like a matching program in that um, the students, the, the, the fellow applicants, they present uh, their kind of profiles to, to all the host agencies. And then also the host agencies present who we are to the uh, applicant pool. And then both entities uh, basically 
rank each other. And then the C grant program attempts to match uh, the applicants and the host agencies as best as they can. Well, that sounds like a very collaborative process. So do we have a winner? We do. We have a fellow who will be starting, uh, you know, in the first week of October. And she is a student at in the School of Aquatic Sciences and Fisheries and has a deep background in, in fisheries and habitat restoration and community engagement. Those are areas in which she'll work. Uh, what we anticipate that she will work while at the port. How we structure the program, however, is that uh, it's, it's a collaborative process in that we have a portfolio of work that uh, we hope and expect the, the fellow to work on, but then we also leave space to um, work with the fellow to identify what their particular interests are, where they would like to grow, what opportunities they might may see, and then work with them to also ensure that it's a beneficial experience for the fellow. So it is a very much a collaborative process in terms of identifying um, the particular uh, work products that, that they'll they'll be focused on throughout their fellowship year. She sounds like a potential protege. Yeah, well, actually, she came from the same school I did. With me. So anyway, um, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see her. When I first asked to have a kelp fellow in the office, that's when we discovered this program. So anyway, thank you for exploring and embracing this process. I want to make sure if we have other graduate students we know of to encourage them to participate, we can use this at the port. And thank you for sharing that with us all. Thank you, Kathleen. And I'm sure if it was up to Commissioner Mohammed, they would be all UW grads. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with that, and without any further questions from my fellow commissioners, I will go ahead and ask for a, a motion and a second. So moved. Second. All right. The motion has been moved and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll from item 8P. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Vellaman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. There are four ayes and zero nays for this item. The motion passes. Thank you very much, Commissioners. Thank you, Clerk Hart, and thank you all those on the staff who stood by to address those items who have been pulled. Moving on in the agenda, we have two new business items today. Clerk Hart, please read the item into the record. We'll then hear from Executive Director Metric to introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 10A, authorization for the executive director to execute contracts for the 2022-2023 South King County Community Impact Fund in an amount not to exceed $3,250,000. Commissioners, this is a request to authorize the executive director to execute, con execute contracts not to exceed $3.25 for cycle three of the <coughs> Seattle or the South King County Fund. We will hear uh, our Office of Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, and External Relations staff talk about the status of the program, including example projects funded so far, total funds spent or committed to date, and program successes and challenges. In the first two cycles, the port has supported many innovative partnerships with diverse community-led organizations in South King County, building strong equity-based partnerships to promote environmental improvements. Wimby Small Business Support, and economic recovery in port-related industries. And we have a number of presenters here, but I'm going to introduce uh, uh, Bukta. There you are, Bukta, over there. <laughs> <laughs> i got to look up. So I'll introduce uh, Bukta Gesar, our uh, Senior Director of our Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Bukta. Thank you, Steve. Good afternoon, Commissioners and Executive Director Metric. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. 
today you're going to hear some really beautiful stories about the amazing work that our community pa partners are uh, engaged in as a result of South King County Fund. Um, I think you know that South King County Fund is a partnership between the External Relations Department and the Office of Equity. We've worked together really hard for the last four years to figure out the details of how to set up the fund. The External Relations Department is in charge of the environmental grants and the Office of Equity is in charge of the economic recovery dollars. Um, the goal of the program is to build equity-based partnerships with near port communities in South King County. The communities are, of course, as you know, incredibly diverse in South King County and experience some of the most um, impacts from systemic racism, economic inequities, and environmental injustice, as well as the impacts of COVID in the last two years. Uh, while we funded many incredible projects in the first two rounds of the RFPs that we've released, um, we continue to face some uh, barriers in actually having authentic relationships with community organizations. Some of these barriers include a com complex and lengthy contracting process with the port, lack of shared understanding and clear definitions of what the port is, what port-related industries are, people being familiar with the port, um, the burdensome three-to-one match requirements that we have for the environmental grants and the ability to provide essential services to support our most vulnerable communities. The Office of Equity has worked really hard, as I mentioned, with many partners at the port, and I'm just mentioning some, I think, of uh, members of the external relations team, CPO office, legal team, commission staff, all of us are committed to continuing to make progress um, to confront these systemic barriers and to actually build authentic relationships with our communities. And we're thankful for the opportunity that this fund provides us to push the boundaries on what it means for the port to be in good relationship. Because of this fund, we're investing not only in the communities and community-led ideas, but we're also investing in the people of South King County. Um, I'm really, really glad to have three incredible members of our teams with us today. Um, uh, Guadalupe Torres, who's recently joined the Office of Equity, Andy Gregory from the External Relations Team, and Elaise um, Aiden. I'm going to turn it over to Elaise to get us started. Thank you, Bukta. Um, and uh, thank you, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, good afternoon, Executive Metric. Um, so today I will um, kind of kick us off here and um, we can go to the next slide um, and uh, do a quick overview. Um, I will uh, talk a little bit about the request today, uh, the program backgrounds, uh, fund uh, financial snapshot, and then we'll go through, uh, talk about some of the community projects uh, between the economic recovery and environmental grants. Um, we'll have Andy talk about some of the successes and challenges that Bukta mentioned um, and some of our programmatic improvements and our next steps. Next slide, please. So today we are requesting commission to authorize the executive director to initiate the procurement process for the 2022-2023 South King County Community Impact Fund, not to exceed 3.25 million. 
So we launched the fund uh, in 2020 to build as a book to mention equity-based partnerships with Nearport communities. Um, and this fund directly supports an alliance with four of our century agenda goals that include goal one, responsibly investing in economic growth of the region and all of its communities. Uh, goal four, be the greenest and most energy efficient port in North America. And goal five, uh, become a model for equity, diversity and inclusion and be a highly effective public agency. And so we have three primary programs under the South King County Community Impact Fund, the Economic Recovery, Environmental Grants, and the uh, Wimby Small Business uh, under our uh, um, Economic Development Department. Uh, so this is really cross-departmental uh, effort to get these dollars out to community. Um, so these programs provide an opportunity to have deep community engagement and capacity building for community-based organizations and groups near airport, uh, near port communities, particularly black, indigenous, and people of color-led organizations in South King County. Um, I also want to highlight that we launched a multi-year funding option in round two uh, to help create more sustainable projects and partnerships for both the environmental and economic recovery grants. Next slide. Um, now I'd like to provide a snapshot of our investments to date. The port committed to $10 million from 2019 to 2024. So for the Economic Recovery Fund, we have committed to $4 million for 22 projects, including 12 multi-year projects. The environmental program has funded 32 projects, including 10 multi-year funded projects. And our WIMBY support um, projects have uh, two, two rounds of uh, $250,000 each uh, round. And then we also just brought on our community capacity building consultant, Siliana Consulting, at $400,000. Um, and Andy will speak to that uh, a little bit later in the presentation. Uh, that takes us to the request for today, the $3.25 million for our Cycle 3, which is launching uh, this week, actually. Um, and we do have a remaining balance of about $940,000. Um, and these funds will continue to roll over to support projects and uh, provide a cushion so that we are responsive to emerging community needs and organizational needs. Uh, so now I will hand it over to um, my colleague Guadalupe to share uh, a little bit about the economic recovery and I'll go back and talk some more about the um, environmental grants. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm sorry, can we try and get rid of this so we can? Thank you. So this slide speaks to the economic recovery portion of the grant that um, yields the highest investment and listed are the 12 outstanding community nonprofits that we're partnering with and that we're investing in. And I'd like to highlight a couple aspects of this cohort of partners. Um, one is that it really is reflective of the beauty of cultural diversity and ethnicity in South King County. Not only in that aspect, but geographically. So we are um, representing, these organizations are representing South King County well and strongly. Second, um, there is diversity in the scopes of their work. So we are seeing uh, projects that align import supported and port related industries such as aviation, maritime, construction and green jobs and green careers. There is, um, there is a broad spectrum of their, their scopes of services that cover those areas. And third, 
there is a diversity in the level of engagement with these organizations. So six of the 12 were funded in cycle one. So this is an opportunity of continuity and further engagement with these partners, but also creating a space, 50% are new, new projects. So we're allowing for this opportunity for innovation and creativity to exist. That is the strength of this partnership. And I would love to tell you stories about each one of these amazing partners, but I'm, today I'm going to focus on one. Next slide, please. And that is uh, Key Tech Labs. And Key Tech Labs is, um, was founded by two siblings from South King County that were um, pursuing the green career route and they had a very uh, narrow experience in opportunities. What they were seeing is like there's this, this small route um, and yet as they developed and grew, they were able to see that this is far broader. There is more opportunity and particularly um, thinking about our youth of color in South King County, we want them to have access to those opportunities, all of those opportunities. So this is the focus of their purpose. And that is to um, bring the youth together, teach them not only using a hybrid model and teaching sort of those classroom skills, but also allowing hands-on approach and learning. And one example is a building of a greenhouse. So working in the classroom setting, understand, understanding the schematics, the design, and the complexity of the learning process, but then going to an urban garden in their communities, building it, and understanding, wow, this, there are challenges when you're learning something and when you're actually building it with your hands, and being able to understand those nuances and gain from that experience. What they're investing in, some of the projects are stormwater management, urban gardening, greenhouse construction, green uh, construction projects and, and workforce development, and solar. Solar is a big piece here. So um, they have taken this, this, this project and just flourished. And uh, one fun fact about, about this organization is that their first ever grant was an ACE grant from the Port of Seattle for $10,000. Today, we're celebrating a $250,000 investment in this kind of learning, growing, and technology. And it's such a strong alignment with the port's vision of being the greenest port in North America. And um, this is how we get there. So I'll um, go ahead and talk a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll talk a little bit about um, our environmental um, grants program. If we could go to the next slide, please. So here's a snapshot of our um, Cycle 2 funded groups. Um, our cohort is uh, about 40% new grantees. Um, and so we have it, projects ranging um, from anywhere to removing invasive plants, uh, planting native trees. Um, we've got art projects, uh, for example, with the Des Moines Memorial Drive Preservation Association. Um, 
beautifying uh, uh, the Memorial Drive with um, signal boxes of, of filled with art. Um, we've got um, uh, Toro Cycling Club, Amigos Latinos de Burien, who are um, community-driven projects, both in Burien, um, to support families um, and, and beautiful uh, uh, um, lakes uh, cleanup. And then we've got uh, the Bhutanese Community Resource Center, who's continuing the educational programs to help with um, teaching classes around um, conservation, um, recycling uh, to local Bhutanese community members in Tequila. Um, and we've got uh, more classes being taught through Tilt Alliance and Green Jobs. Um, and and um, definitely the last one that I kind of want to highlight real quick before we go on to the next slide is Mountains to Sound Greenway Trust. This is their first time that they're working in South King County. Um, and so they specifically put dollars away to do the community engagement work and the capacity building because they saw and heard about the work that other organizations have been doing in South King County through this fund. Next slide, please. And so I just want to highlight two more um, organizations. Serve Ethiopians of Washington. Uh, thank you, Commissioner uh, Mohammed, for joining us Saturday for um, a site tour to see some of these projects. And it was really amazing to see the forest stewards out. It was about 45 uh, community members in Angle Lake Park um, working closely with Forterra, who we funded, um, to, to build out what forest stewards should be doing, how they can take care of, of their um, um, communities and, and the beautiful properties that we have in South King County. And so it's kind of full circle to see to see this growth and I really, really enjoyed spending time with them. And then we've got Tilt Alliance who will continue to do, they're, they're working in five of our six uh, cities, right? So they're really building out uh, 25 um, uh, um, community organizers to train them on being forest stewards, on how to uh, make uh, a really beautiful community gardens and, and keep our projects sustainable. And they've both been funded for the next three years. We'll go to the next slide. And so I will quickly talk about some of our Cycle 1 outputs. Um, our Cycle 1 group, we funded 14 organizations, uh, six of them identified as BIPOC-led organizations. Um, we had 654 trees planted. Um, we've had 2,935 uh, hours of volunteer time, um, and that doesn't include the stipends that um, other organizations are paying uh, for their youth uh, training programs. And then we've had uh, three, over 3,000 educational and training hours, and that's just cycle one. So we're looking forward to seeing what cycle two's outputs look like um, when, we, when their um, reports are coming out next year. Uh, next slide, please, Aubrey. So the economic recovery cycle one and cycle two, that should include cycle two outputs and outcomes. So we've funded 22 projects to date, 10 from cycle one, 12 from cycle two, the majority BIPOC led. When we speak about quantitative outputs and outcomes, the, um, the outcomes are still being developed and we are measuring these. We've had some challenges with that because number one, the projects just ended. They ended in July or in June, sorry. Um, also, many of the projects that we funded were pre-apprenticeship or apprenticeship programs. Some of these apprenticeship programs are 18 months, two years. And so to say, how many have you accomplished in 12 months isn't, um, doesn't accurately reflect 
the numbers. So we are um, actively, that's part of my role, collecting the data and telling the story. We're holding ourselves accountable and we're holding our partners accountable. There's one aspect that I think is really um, important to this data collection and the telling of the story, and that is the qualitative outcomes and outputs. And that is because um, this, this is a rich story, especially when we are talking about immigrants and refugees when they're on this journey, and how important it is to look at that whole story. Because in this journey, there are many barriers and obstacles that they have to overcome. And, you know, sometimes they may stumble, sometimes they may fall. And our job as a good partner is to be there in those times and to walk that journey with them and to celebrate the times that they get up and move forward to those end goals. And so um, that is part of the story that is very important to tell when we're looking about looking at the outcomes and the data that um, that we seek. Um, so more to come, more to come, more more information. Um, the third uh, area that the fund supports is the WIMBY support programs, Women Minority Business Enterprise. And the beauty of this program is that it really focuses on lifting up small businesses. One of the threads throughout these three programs is the concept of mentorship and the ability to bring in um, businesses that are more established, who have weathered a few storms, who can guide and support new businesses, who new entrepreneurs who are learning about uh, how you build a business, how you weather a storm during COVID. And that is something that they're all learning together. Um, another important aspect to call out about this, this program, these programs, it's the Port Gen aspect. They focus on a more advanced conversation and more learning on government contracting so that small businesses can be better equipped and have the tools and the knowledge about how to navigate government contracting because it is complex, it is detailed. And so this six-week program really focuses in on providing the skills and the experience and walking through those processes together. Um, next slide. So here are a couple of quotes in this slide from um, some of our community partners, Building Cultural Gaps and um, El Centro de la Raza. They are, I think what this means to me and, and to us is um, what, what's reflected is the enthusiasm, the appreciation, and the hope for a deeper engagement with the port. And so this is an opportunity to open that door and to build a deeper relationships. One way we're doing this is through making sure that we're having rev, uh, regular gatherings and learning sessions so that we're bringing the cohort together and speaking about the challenges that they're facing, celebrating the successes that they're having and sharing that wisdom and also thinking about what can the port learn in this experience because it, it's a two-way street. We are learning with them. And so I'm so excited to begin um, this cycle to partnership and there's so much opportunity to um, further engage with community. 
Um, great, thank you, Guadalupe and Elise. And I'd like to move on now, talking a little bit about some of the program successes and challenges that we've experienced so far. Um, as we've stated, you know, the goal of the South King County Fund is to develop equity-based partnerships with our Nearport communities, and we can't do that without deep community engagement and support. And so, really, one of the biggest successes that we've seen out of this program so far is the development of our community liaison program and the implementation of community advisors in the selection process for our project recipients. And so, this has really given us an opportunity to deepen our relationships in South King County, specifically targeting um, multicultural and multi lingual communities and providing uh, those communities with a seat at the table as decisions are being made in terms of how the funds are going to be spent. Uh, additionally, we've seen an increase in equity and accessibility through the hybrid meeting models that we've implemented. Now, um, once we, when we launched this program, it was right at the start of COVID, and so this was really a huge change to all of us, especially those of us who are used to doing this work out in community. And uh, while that provided extreme challenges to us at the onset, we have really seen the, the increase in access that can come through hybrid meetings, uh, providing folks who are working on limited time or resources schedules to be able to participate virtually in activities and finally just building meaningful uh, relationships with our communities through engagement and this is both from the port staff as well as through our partners so next slide please uh, additionally we continue to have some challenges that uh, provide us with keep us up at night and certainly keep us thinking about how to better this program and how we deliver these services to the community. Um, first and foremost, we'd like to note that these contracts are all reimbursable. And so what that does is it really creates barriers for organizations who do not have a lot of cash on hand. Uh, many grants that come from foundations and other funding sources uh, tend to give the money up front and then ask for report backs on deliverables at the end, whereas we are required to enter into reimbursable contracts with organizations. And that uh, has uh, contracting and legal implications for the port, but really creates barriers for organizations that are new and up and coming to be able to partner effectively with the port. Uh, the three to one match, as we've mentioned over the years, continues to be a barrier. We've uh, tried to get traction in the state legislature to get that match removed. Haven't been successful with that. Hopefully we'll be doing another push in the long legislative session next year. But uh, in lieu of that end goal run there, we, we have found some great opportunities to work creatively with organizations. And I think as you saw some of the additional benefits and metrics that we've shared, we see that due to that three to one match, we bring a tremendous both monetary and non-monetary value to these projects uh, and has kind of forced our hand in accounting on that. Um, and we continue to provide uh, intense support. And then finally, I'd just like to note that the, the, the contracting process continues to be quite complex and cumbersome for organizations with the contracting taking up to 10 months to execute from the launch of the procurement to the signing of final contracts. We have worked both internally with our partners in CPO to streamline this process, uh, to make it more fair and equitable, as well as bringing outside consultants to help support this, but there's much work left to do here. Next slide, please. 
So I'd like to highlight a few programmatic improvements that we'll see going forward into cycle three. Uh, first, we launched a series of pre-application workshops in August, and these were for both uh, environment and economic recovery, uh, and culminated in the site tour that Elise mentioned earlier today. And so these application workshops or pre-application workshops focused on the core elements of the application, helping uh, partners to develop their project ideas and understand some of the more cumbersome parts of the contracting and application process. Additionally, we'll be adding 30 extra minutes for organizations requiring language interpretation to make the interview process and presentation process more equitable for English language learners. Uh, finally, we're adding technical assistance sessions for um, uh, organizations to be able to reach out to both a uh, representative, uh, co a contract administrator, as well as a program manager from each program uh, on a weekly basis to provide technical assistance on the application process. So next slide, please. Specifically for the economic recovery program, uh, there will be an increase in weekly outreach and technical support to increase the way that we're reaching out to and supporting our potential applicant organizations, including a cohort model, which innovates the learning through shared uh, group uh, storytelling as well as sharing of successes and challenges and mentorship. Updating materials, uh, revising and simplifying language in our contract and application process wherever possible. And finally, implementing a two-step application process that includes an eligibility checklist to decrease the, the burden on organizations for completing the full application packet, which is about six page, pages long, to uh, only the organizations that are eligible to apply. So next slide, please. So I have a great opportunity now to talk a little bit more about our community capacity building contract that Elise mentioned earlier today. Uh, the port has hired Siliana Consulting, a 100% women minority business enterprise and uh, South King County organist-based organization with subconsultant One Vibe Media, another uh, minority business enterprise based in South King County to support grassroots community capacity building in support of these various programs. Uh, this is really exciting. This was following a, a long and robust uh, procurement process and this organization has already hit the ground running in terms of getting out into community. They joined us on Saturday for the site tour, collecting videos and stories. They'll be putting on a series of workshops throughout the year, helping, uh, as, as Guadalupe mentioned earlier, with the Port Gen process that helps for-profit companies to better understand the port uh, uh, contracting process. We envision this community capacity building process to provide the same level of support for our nonprofit partners, as well as connecting with fiscal sponsorship and other key port opportunities. Uh, additionally, they'll be providing incredibly authentic storytelling uh, so that we can share these incredible stories with the rest of the community. Uh, next slide, please. So finally, talking on about a little bit about next steps, we'll continue the onboarding of Siliana uh, through this the next few months, um, and probably work on those workshops, uh, uh, community capacity building workshops, early next spring. Uh, our round three of funding is set to launch on Thursday, with both environmental and economic recovery programs launching the application process. Uh, we will additionally be launching an evaluation RFP 
soon this month. This is in regards to Order 2112 that was passed by the Commission late last year that requires a, uh, a thorough program evaluation of the South King County Fund before we come back to ask for reauthorization next year. As Elise mentioned as she was doing the funding recap, there's about $900,000 left in the fund, which we see as a good cushion to get us through this evaluation process and uh, into next year in case there are any unforeseen expenses. But we expect to come back with a thorough and robust analysis from an outside firm in close coordination with our community partners to see what uh, systematic program, program improvements we'd like to see and what a recommended next level and commitment of funding might be from the Port Commission. So I would just like to personally thank all of you for your continued support of this program. Uh, we're honored to be able to work on this at the nexus of the Port and community and look forward to any questions that you might have. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for that presentation. I will open it up to questions or comments from commissioners. Commissioner Hazegawa. Sure. Well, I just want to applaud the port staff and also the community liaisons who have been so hard at work. The proof is in the pudding. Um, having had the opportunity to be able to attend your um, cohort recipient uh, symposium, the energy in the room was palpable. Um, and so, you know, to take those intentional strides to be able to help folks who have been historically excluded or their hard to reach communities to be able to access an opportunity like this in an hour of such dire need is incredibly um, meaningful and it's also really impressive. Um, and that cohort model to just fortify that experience for them, in your own words, to be able to break down the silos between them um, is something that's going to make sure that it lasts in the long run. Um, I just, um, I, you really have my full faith in this effort and the way that you've steward, stewarded this program. Um, so I just really want to recognize and applaud you. Um, the, the projects, especially the ones that I saw at the symposium, that were so food-centric, I um, really stood out to me. Um, and I can also share that, uh, you know, as we roll out this third round of, of grants, um, I'd love to lend my own platform to help amplify um, the opportunity. Uh, because I've heard from many folks, particularly in the native Hawaiian Pacific Islander communities, that food insecurity specifically um, has impacted them. Um, in particular, their elders. Um, they are still struggling, and um, and I do think that there's, um, you know, as wide of a net as we have casted here, I would love to be able to make sure that folks in the Nea Hawaiian Pacific Islander community also are aware of this grant opportunity because they would really benefit from this cohort model that you've that you've built here. Um, so I want to lend my platform to amplify the opportunity. Um, regarding that prohibitive three to one match. We are still um, leaving that on our legislative agenda to try and be able to address that. And hopefully by the time your study comes back, we have reassessed how we want to approach this in the future with hopefully more funds. Um, we will, um, hopefully we'll be able to have addressed this as a barrier as well, understanding that it is indeed a barrier. Um, now finally, I wanted to share that in South King County, we all know that near airport communities are disparately impacted by the port operations and they have so much to benefit from expanded tree canopy. 
Um, the port has invested $450,000 to create and implement urban forest management plans in some of these near airport cities to guide future tree canopy expansion in collaboration with Forterra and local community groups. Um, I'm excited to share that we've been working on a land stewardship policy that will direct the port on how to care for everything that we own. <laughs> it will include principles for aviation and maritime with specific measurable goals for tree management and for stewardship. For example, 10% tree canopy for maritime industrial lands or formalizing that uh, four to one tree replacement policy that we already practice. Um, it could also help improve the health of urban holdings, creeks, and parks. Um, but I think that's relevant to this conversation because there's, I believe, an opportunity for the policy that we're proposing to be supported by the South King County Fund, which can leverage community interests as well as, as our assets to achieve uh, the sh our shared goals for healthy forests, parks, and by extension, healthy community members. So. Um, we're working diligently in the Sustainability, Environment, and Climate Committee, and I look forward to introducing this policy in early 2023. Thank you, Commissioner Hasgawa. Commissioner Mohammed. Yes, thank you. Um, well, first of all, I just want to thank all of the staff who have been working so hard on the South King County Fund. I've been um, out in community with all of you several times. You've invited me to take a look at the projects that are happening. Um, one of the last ones I think I attended was the Solar Festival. Actually, I was with you guys last weekend. <laughs> Part of that, we were together at the, um, the Birian Solar Festival and I got to see firsthand the work that Key Tech Lab is doing and it is, um, you know, often we say we need to invest where the needs are greatest and invest in communities that have been impacted the most and um, being able to give them the tools and the resources that they need in order to provide and support their community. And at that solar festival, that was like, those words were like in action. Um, it was powerful to, to see the work that was happening there. Um, the stormwater management plans that they had to the sustainable technology that urban um, uh, tech, what, is, what do they call it, uh, farm robot that they designed farm in the bot. garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, farm bots. <laughs> it was pretty cool to being able to witness that. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I support these projects and I want us to be able to continue to expand them. And I hear you guys loud and clear that there are some serious challenges that community members do face um, from applying for the funds to the limitations of, of, of those funds and even the challenges of, of being able to partner with these industries, like what are green jobs that is not understood across the board. and a one-time fund is not going to help fix that. And so I um, am looking forward to the assessment you all will be doing. And some of the things that I have in mind or want to um, better understand is how the South King County Fund is going to is partnering with existing stuff that's happening in, in South King County, right? How is um, the South King County Fund responding to the local schools in the area? Um, what kind of programs do they have in place? And are we amplifying that? Are we duplicating our efforts, right? Um, making sure that we are, are having those conversations with um, 
those leaders in, in South King County, even the, the nearby cities, right? Like, what are the, what are some of the local cities and the plans that they have in place, and how does the the South King County fund align with them? Um, I'm interested in that, and um, also would love to to uh, going back to the schools a little bit. Um, even figuring out does the South King County Fund directly support students, right? Are there opportunities to directly fund young kids who are already interested in this, who don't, you know, who have their own interest? And I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the, the founders of Key Tech Lab, right? They, um, those, those guys uh, were interested in technology from a really young age, and someone invested in them to be able to have that organization today, and so. Um, how are we capturing those young kids who have an interest in technology, who have an interest in maritime, um, but do not have, you know, funding or are connected to an organization that's doing that work? So, um, finding some of those bridges is what I hope to see happen through this, um, through this fund. And so, um, that said, yeah, I wholeheartedly support what the work that you all are doing and look forward to supporting it more. Thank you for the time. Excellent. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Any comments? Go ahead, Commissioner Well, we all have to take our time to express how disappointed we are with this program <laughs> and its uh, <laughs> tremendous failure to reach the communities and do good work. It is really an honor to be able to have such an example, set of examples, to be able to stand behind. Um, and, that, and I think as J.C. Harris said, it's, um, it's important we tell the story. I mean, people want to know you know what we what we're doing and there's a lot of good work the port's like the worst organization to tell its own story in a lot of ways we're getting a lot better at it but you folks are ambassadors to tell the story firsthand knowing what we're actually getting done so i i really do appreciate you sharing that with us right now and um and it, it's not like a nice to have just to do it you really need to understand because that again gets you more recruits allows the folks to uh really appreciate how much we're doing so one of the things that i was thinking about um uh, it's a bad analogy, but like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it's a bad analogy, it's not off color or anything, but it's the idea that it's a uh, thousand points of light. This is this uh, statement that, um, what was it, Reagan or somebody was like, well, the push. thousand points, push, push. push. So, um, so the, the, the Puget Sound Partnership has been accused or, or criticized of being this thousand points of light and they're, that they're not connected, right? That there's a lot of scatter light, right? And, um, and for all these fantastic community projects, the value added to, to be able to be part of a bigger plan, to the degree to which we can show how this adds to not only the community wholeness, but to the ecological wholeness too. And there's fantastic things like Commissioner Hasegawa just spoke to about our tree forest, tree stewardship plan that's gonna be coming out. This sort of lays a, a landscape, so to speak. Um, and similarly, the um, and we paid for the Forterra plans for the cities surrounding South King County. And so to be able to um, inform the community that you don't have to do this, but in fact, there are these plans out there that if you can show how they further these broader goals, that's just uh, multiplicative benefits that I think, you know, we have the plans, let's use them. And, 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 and folks probably don't know they exist, right? So it's, it's good for everybody to understand there's a, a larger envelope to look at I gotta say, I saw slide 10 warm the cockles of my heart and that there are, you know, forests under the sea. 
There was like, you know, <laughs> some intertidal thing going on there. And then to the degree that there are kelp forests too. It was very nice. And um, I would love to see if there's uh, any sort of really aquatic type uh, programs going on. I would always be a softie for these sort of things, as you might have guessed. <laughs> and then um, I, I think I had one thing. Oh, yeah. So we have both the challenge of actually getting the money to the communities and then the accounting. And, and a lot of these values are not lending themselves to quantification. And as I said, yeah, I recognize fully that these are, we're planting seeds that will blossom years from now. And so, and this I think will be even, you know, challenging when we do multi-year grants and things like this. That, that, but I think the challenge is on us somewhat to think about ways in which we can. So your internship program, for example, we don't know how many made it through because we probably took half the time just to get the grant to them, right? But the point is that the, uh, we can say how many people entered the program, right? How many people did we reach? And then annually we can say how many have we retained? And you know, so, so, but I think we can look at ways to certainly make it easier for folks to get the money as well as easier for us to show success and then also the lessons learned that are associated with it. But thanks again, you make us all proud. <laughs> Appreciate it. Excellent, thank you Commissioner Feldman. Uh, you know, just real quickly, you know, I also want to express my thanks and echo the sentiments of my colleagues. Um, I think this is some of the best work that we do here at the Port of Seattle. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't give a quick shout out to our former colleague, uh, Peter Steinberg, who was the one who really brought this to the forefront uh, and was the genesis for this. And so, Peter, wherever you are, your, your legacy is intact here with this South King County Fund. Um, you know, the only... Um, comment that I'll make is that I'm really encouraged. Uh, obviously, this program took a while to take off, and you, we all know why. Uh, we, we had some contracting questions. We had some legal questions. Uh, we did our due diligence. And obviously, with the first quarter, we had our bumps in the road. Um, and, but I am encouraged to see that we have some repeat applicants and some recipients from our first court in our second court. But I also wanted to say that one of the criticisms that a lot of government grants receive is that it always goes to the same people, right? And that the smaller or the newer uh, community-based organizations never really get a shot at these grants. And so I am really encouraged to see a healthy mix of new but uh, on, on, and also older uh, re repeat grant recipients. And I hope that we can continue that trend going forward as we consider uh, reauthorizing this with more money. And so thank you all for being conscious of that. Uh, really, I think it's a testament to the fact that we are looking at this through the ends of equity, equity um, and that we are trying to be as fair as possible in how we provide these grants. Uh, and so thank you, thank you, thank you for Can that. Can I have one more shot at Sure. I was speaking about old. Um, I represent that statement. And one of, the, one of the benefits of my tenure is that Pre, pre, pre preceding the South King County Fund was the ACE Fund. And uh, Key Tech being an initial recipient of that, and that credit goes to John Creighton, who with mm. me worked on getting that up from the initial flight safety corridor. So, you know, trying to dust off the hair here just to share the legacy <laughs> goes on. And so Thanks. thank you very much. Yes, yes, thank you for that. So uh, hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion and a second? Uh, uh, so moved. Happy to make the second. motion. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, having been motioned and seconded, Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioners, please, please say aye or nay for when your name is called. For the vote, beginning with Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasakawa. Yay. 
Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. I. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Commissioner Calkins is, is watching somewhere, I'm sure. Um, so we have <laughs> four ayes and zero nays. Excellent. The motion passes. Thank you, Commissioners. All right. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. We'll then hear from Executive Director Metric to introduce the item. Thank you. This is Thank agenda you, item 10B, authorization for the Executive Director to execute a professional services contract for design services and to complete design of the building 161E renovation and systems retrofit project at Seattle Tacoma International Airport in the amount of $2,900,000 and a total authorization of $3,098,000. Commissioners, <coughs> built in 1981, this air cargo and multi multiple use facility supports multiple tenants and brings in roughly half a million dollars in lease revenue to the port per year. This design authorization will help renew and renovate this aging facility to ensure that we meet our century agenda objective of meeting the region's international trade and cargo needs in an efficient and sustainable manner. Presenters are Tom Green, Manager, Air Cargo Operations and Development, and then Sean Anderson, Capital Program Leader. So, Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, are you able to hear me clearly? Yes. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Commission Vice President Cho, uh, Commissioners, and Executive Director Metric. Uh, my name is Tom Green, and I am the Manager for Air Cargo Operations and Development at Seattle Tacoma International Airport. Uh, and I'm here today with my colleague, Sean Anderson, to request authorization for the Executive Director to e execute a professional services contract for design services and complete the design of the Building 161E Renovation and Systems Retrofit Project at Seattle Tacoma International Airport. Um, can I have the next slide, please? So Building 161E is a commercial multi-use facility that's located in the airport's North Airfield Cargo and Commercial Area. Next slide. The port-owned building uh, 161E was constructed in 1981 on a long-term ground lease and reverted to port ownership in 2015 at lease expiration. It has warehouse, auto shop mechanical, and office space shared among multiple tenants, including Southwest Airlines Cargo and Menzies Aviation, and supporting approximately 45 jobs. Nearly all the economic value has been extracted from this more than 40-year-old building, and investment is needed now to preserve and restore operational integrity uh, and continue to receive uh, the leasehold revenue of approximately uh, $500,000 annually. Many of the Building 161E's systems and infrastructure have exceeded their life cycles and are in a failing and deficient condition. It has become very costly and difficult to maintain and as well to satisfy code requirements. This project will renovate and retrofit building systems to improve operational efficiency and facility maintainability at a lower cost. Any code deficiencies will be rectified and improvements will be made in building efficiency and energy use. 
The detailed scope is described in the memo. I'd also like to call out, as noted in the memo, that this project is the first in a program of four or five commercial and cargo building capital renovation projects for airfield facilities that are similar to this one. So I'm now going to hand over the presentation to my colleague, Sean Anderson, from the airport's project management group to speak to the remaining slides. Thank you, Tom. Good afternoon, commissioners and executive director metric. The next series of slides uh, illustrate many of the challenges that the buildings have, this building has, and that thus some of our uh, scope items that we are proposing, including uh, new heating and cooling with digital controls. Uh, you can see some of the existing systems in these slides. The next slide uh, illustrates uh, replacement of um, windows and doors, and uh, we're also including new LED lighting for the interior of the spaces. On uh, the, the, the next slide, we're, we're uh, further viewing some of the outdated systems. We'll also be including fire protection upgrades, uh, which includes fire alarm and fire sprinkler improvements, including the water supply for the fire sprinkler system, when also emergency lighting and exit signage. The next slide uh, illustrates as well a need to update the restrooms within the facility. And uh, part of what I wanted to highlight uh, is that we will be hiring a designer with this authorization that will have scope sufficient to complete the design for the total of five projects that Tom mentioned earlier, although uh, we are only seeking design authorization for this project today. Moving to the next slide, uh, we can show you the project budget, uh, our cost estimate of $13.9 million total, and then what we are requesting today, uh, the $2.9 million. Our following slide, we can illustrate our project budget, or, pardon me, our project schedule, and uh, we are planning to start design next year in 2023, and then finish construction of the project in 2025. The following uh, next slide, shows our, uh, uh, what we call our cone of certainty, just really uh, illustrating the, the range of our cost estimate with 30% uh, over to 20% under. And that narrows, of course, as we proceed through design. On the uh, next slide, we're in uh, reviewing project risks. We can see um, Risks we see today include uh, uh, the need for construction in while the building remains occupied. Uh, we, we're anticipating some resource and supply chain challenges. What can we do about that? As well as data connectivity to the passenger terminal. And uh, with this uh, slide, this concludes our presentation this afternoon. And we request uh, authorization of item 10B. 
Excellent. Thank you, Sean and Tom, for your presentation. I will entertain questions or comments regarding this mo uh, matter. Any? Okay, go ahead, Commissioner Feldman. Do you want to put a motion on the floor for the discussion, or do we just start? Uh, I'll take questions first, and then okay, I'll, I'll ask for a motion. Yeah. Um, I don't know who made that. It's all virtual. All right, so I'll stare. Um, thank you for that presentation. And it strikes me while this is, um, you know, a substantial amount of money, it's not one of the bigger uh, projects we have. So I, I didn't see the little green uh, leaf that we always you know, go through to see what's the energy or uh, GHG reduction efforts that we uh, can achieve in this project. But it seems like a project like this, you can't help but achieve GHG benefits. And so I'm just wondering, um, could you try to enumerate it? I mean, like, it seems to me that this is a, a leaky sieve of a building with incandescent lights and old HVAC. And I mean, you guys just doing normal modern equipment, you'll, you'll make us proud. So I just, you know, but if you could try to, you know, account for it, I think it would be uh, to all of our benefit. And then, um, the, well, and anyway, the only other thing was, we don't talk about what the revenue this building generates, right? So we're, it's a, it's a whatever, five-year project that, or three-year project that costs $14 million, but what kind of rent do we collect? Um. So I'm happy to, to uh, take a crack at each one of those uh, questions. And I, I think I can answer the uh, second one uh, very easily. Uh, the revenue is approximately, uh, it's about $507,000 annually currently. Um, and that's a, a space revenue from multiple tenants of, from uh, Southwest, from Menzies, and uh, some of the other users of uh, office space. Um, and so um, those uh, uh, revenue numbers, of course, uh, lease revenue stream, you know, is expected to rise over time. Um, but the, uh, this project was designed um, with financial sustainability uh, in mind. Um, and so looking at that revenue source and future revenue sources um, to uh, be able to uh, afford uh, the investment that they're putting, we're putting into this building over the long term. Um, in terms of your first question, Commissioner, um, I think you're absolutely right. This is a pretty low-hanging fruit from a um, from an environmental and a, and a greenhouse gas and an energy use uh, uh, and efficiency perspective. Um, uh, we had uh, a study done in 2019, a preliminary engineering uh, analysis on uh, uh, commercial building efficiency, buildings like this and others in its neighborhood. Um, and the, um, the results from a building like this are just shockingly low. Um, and so, you know, everything from uh, replacing uh, the lighting, um, replacing the HVAC systems, the heating, ventilating, air conditioning systems, um, as well as replacing single pane windows, uh, things like leaky skylights, replacing doors, you know, all of these are designed um, with a, a higher efficiency and, and lower energy use in mind. I just want you to get credit for it. So if you can, <laughs> if you can try to estimate it, I would, it would just be one of those things that the port, again, does a lot of good things that should just be able to take credit for it. I think that there are um, a couple of choices that we're looking at as we go into the design phase. Um, and I think ultimately the choices that we make there in the design phase are going to have an impact in um, the environmental scores that we get back. Um, I'd be very happy to come back um, uh, in the future and report 
um, on those uh, numbers specifically. Um, I don't know if there's anyone, uh, any of my colleagues, uh, uh, for example, uh, from environmental that want to weigh in. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I don't have um, a specifics uh, on hand today to, to get credit for. I'd love to have that. Um, but we can promise to bring those back um, when, when we uh, do, through the process of design, uh, arrive on the specific um, uh, bits of uh, technology and, and uh, infrastructure that will be retrofitting. That's exactly what I was hoping. Thanks so much. Any other questions or comments on this project? Um, I have a few questions for you guys. I'm wondering, just from a more poor policy perspective, when it comes to projects like these, why don't we just give our tenants a TI allowance? Um, we have done uh, that approach in the past, um, and it, it works particularly well when a particular tenant is leasing the entire building. Um, this building is a multiple user, multi-user building, so there's common areas um, as well uh, as uh, in addition to the specific leasehold areas that um, indiv individual tenants uh, are responsible for. Um, so it is more difficult in um, a situation like this to try to do the building renovation through uh, TIs. Okay. Um, and then the qu second question I had was regarding cost recovery. Um, I would imagine that since the building is such a, in, in such a dilapidated state, the, 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 the rent that we collect, the price per square foot is probably maybe below market. If I'm doing math right, we're collecting around $20 a square foot. Um, is there an expectation that once these renovations are done, uh, that we will be raising the cost per square, uh, the price per square foot on this rent, or and what is the timeline for that? Are we going to wait till the the current leases um, expire and we renew, or is that going to kick in right away? Um, yes, the existing uh, leasehold arrangements that we have in place, um, they do have uh, components within those existing leases that. Um, both raise uh, uh, rental rates and leasehold income over time, uh, such as uh, associated with the changes in uh, the consumer price index, CPI. Um, we also have a five-year cycle where these buildings are appraised and reappraised, and through that process as well, uh, that can support um, uh, a change, an increase in, in lease revenues. Um, the um, uh, you're correct in terms of your uh, your calculations there in terms of a, a lease cost per square foot. It's certainly not uh, the highest that we see out there on the airfield, and it and it is in keeping with the, a fairly dilapidated condition of this building. Um, we as we modeled this um, uh, investment and retrofit uh, financially. And I want to thank my colleagues in aviation finance and budget uh, for, for some very sophisticated uh, financial modeling um, that allowed us to uh, hone in on the amount that we can afford to invest in this building. Um, through that modeling, we did uh, put in uh, some ranges of increases to leasehold revenue that we think we'll be able to achieve uh, once the building is in a better condition. Um, so that's a forward-looking um, uh, approach to uh, increases in the in the lease revenue that's contemplated in in our analysis so far. Okay, I, I appreciate that response. I just the reason I ask is because, again, the, bat, the math, napkin math is thirteen 
oh, $14 million over 26,000 square foot facility, we're, we're investing 500 and almost $530 a square foot. Seems like a lot. So I just want to make sure there's a plan in place for us to at least recover a part, part, part of that cost. Um, any other questions or comments? Nope. All right. So I will entertain a motion in a second to uh, approve this uh, 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 item. So don't, moved. All right. Don't all rush. Once. Second. All right. <laughs> the motion has been made and seconded. Uh, Clerk Hart, please call the roll. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Fellerman. Yay. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Commissioner Hoskawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. Thank you all for your presentation. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. We have no presentations or staff reports today, so that concludes our scheduled business items. Are there any closing comments at this time or motions relating to committee referrals from commissioners? I had thought of something and then I quickly put it away. I, I, I do want to weigh in on the acknowledgement of 9-11 being a New Yorker from original. It, it, uh, going back there and seeing the absence is a tremendous thing. I have this great picture of me and my family on the Statue of Liberty with it in the background. It's sort of like part of who I am. So it's, it was really good to be at the 20th anniversary event and to see our firefighters and folks uh, acknowledge that. So I'm really glad that the port takes this time as well and it's, uh, it will be forever important. The fact that we have a TNC bathroom issue, I mean, I don't know how long, I've had bathroom issues almost throughout my tenure at the port and has nothing to do with my constitution, but it's important that we get it right. And I didn't know whether um, whether the uh, what we did for this for the uh, taxis was looked at as adequate or um, desirable. You know, we do have foot washing facilities. There is a space for prayer. I think they put a ping pong table in for a little while. Um, but I mean, I'm just wondering whether, as a cost estimate envelope, is that something that uh, we're looking towards, All right? So that's a good thing, right? Yeah. So we got that right. Um, one of the things that was interesting to hear that uh, that our guest mortgage at Shilshol has like been 100% since uh, like June, June or July. July. Um, this is new. I mean, because I, I've asked about, there's a way of doing, um, we can make more revenue on, on, a, on a marina if you can basically, people who go off for the summer, their slip is open. So you could actually, they can sublease their slip. So if we have the demand for more space, I think uh, the Port of Edmonds or Everett does this. It's a little bit of an accounting trick, but residents can make money back and the port can make money back. So it's just, if we're at capacity, it's something I'd like us to revisit. And um, I just want to thank Commissioner Cho for being, for his leadership in pulling off this uh, SBA event mm -hmm. for Korean exports. And it's a real honor to be there. And it's quite the exalted crowd, I must say, that uh, <laughs> we had, you know, com uh, former Ambassador uh, Locke, Governor Locke, and we had uh, Congresswoman Jayapal, and we had Dow Constantine, and it was really quite the cow cast of characters. And so anyway, I, I do appreciate that very much. And that's all I got. And, and I'd be remiss, and I apologize, Commissioner Fellman, that when I uh, called out all the dignitaries that evening, I did forget. Yes, so I apologize for that. Uh, we, everyone knew you were there, so don't, don't think that you were uh, forgotten there. Uh, I also wanted to 
give a shout out to the port staff who put that uh, South Korea exporter event together in particular. Uh, my uh, special advisor, Tyler Emsky, who, who really put in a lot of legwork, as well as our comm staff, uh, Kathy Roeder, and everyone else who really pushed that. We had not only the SBA administrator, Guzman, but also we had the ambassador of South Korea, uh, Cho Taehyung, uh, no relation. Uh, we confirmed that later. <laughs> but, um, I, I, before we adjourn, I also wanted to take a second to thank Port Facilities team uh, and engineers, as well as our contractors, Tempest Ch uh, Technologies, and everyone who else worked on the project to renovate this room here. You may have noticed that we have a nice new big screen behind us. Our, our AV systems have been upgraded. Um, and uh, I would just want to take a moment to thank them for their efforts in this upgrade. Um, I think that people don't realize often how important that is given uh, the level of transparency and access we want to provide to the public, to these public meetings. Uh, these upgrades uh, all contribute to that. And so thank you to the clerk's office, Michelle, as well as all of those who um, replaced the old unsupported software system. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, with that, I will uh, turn it over Executive Director Metric. Do you have any closing comments for us today? Um, thanks, uh, Vice President Cho, for mentioning that because it really it, it makes a difference for all of us in the audience to see that, and uh, it really it really does make a difference. So uh, let me add my thanks to all that whole team that did that. Great, and Clerk Hart for doing that. So and I think Commissioner has, uh, Muhammad has one final comment before we part. Yeah, I, I just want to echo the sentiments that folks have expressed around 9-11 and um, also commit to never forgetting that day and, um, and you know, I uh, want to again give my deepest condolences to the families who lost their loved ones around that time. I also want to acknowledge um, how that was a changing moment for so many Muslim Americans and Sikh Americans in this country. And so around, that around this time of the year, so many of us um, uh, grieve together. And um, there's an inspiring quote that I always keep front and center around, around this time. It's, darkness can't drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And that quote is from Martin Luther King, and um, our county is named after him. And so um, we'll never forget. Thank you so much, Commissioner Mohammed. All right. Hearing no further comments and having further no business, if there's no objection, we are adjourned at 226. Thank you, everybody.